This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I just remember how happy I was. It was incredible, my feelings for those players, because they'd given so much and they'd worked so hard and they bought into what I was trying to bring here to Iowa State and to run across the field in that mass of people out there that took the field and they ran over and got this trophy and to hold it over their heads and to pass it around and to hug it and to kiss it and to, and to embrace it. It's one of the great memories I'll ever have in my life. You want to beat their butts and you want to win and you want to carry that trophy, you want to take it home. And I won six of my last nine as a head coach at Iowa State against Iowa every time I took this trophy back to my house. Before we put it back in the trophy case, let the Iowa State fans enjoy it. I took that back to my home because I wanted to go to bed and sleep with it at my house. And that's what we did. That's how much it meant to me. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours, terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest, green bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. So let's get rowdy and rowdy. Hello and welcome to Old Man Strength, the podcast brought to you by the Tailgate Society, sponsored by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in the land. Well, this is Chris Shipley, as always. We normally have uh, Tim Johnson on with us, and he's running late tonight, but we do have our special guest on the line. I'd like to introduce everybody to Coach Dan McCarney, former Iowa State Cyclone football coach. Coach, how are you doing in sunny Florida tonight? Really good, Chris. It, it doesn't get much better than what we had today. And uh, we get, there's a lot of days, Margie and I go, you know what? I, this is God's country. Um, I think this is the most beautiful day that we've had this year so far. And we get up and we say that a lot. And today it was sunny and 80 and low humidity and a little breeze and, and gorgeous. So I'll tell you this much, Chris. I spent half a century in the state of Iowa and in in, in Wisconsin. Um, we really do miss the people, but we sure as hell don't miss the winners. Not at all. Well, I'll give you a recap. I think it was uh, Sunday I did my lawn and worked in the yard. I had shorts on. Monday it snowed. Tuesday it rained. And it was 65 today. So that there's your four seasons all in one. All in one. Nothing like it, man. Nothing right? like it. Well, listen, uh, what we normally do here is uh, we get on and uh, we try to solve the world's problems. Uh which, you know, if people just listened to us, we'd have all the problems solved. But uh, what we like to do is sometimes bring on people that uh, that inspire us and, and, and we admire. And uh, I would first like to appreciate or tell you my appreciation for you coming on. And um, I guess let's start with, you know, you mentioned being back in Iowa and coach and, and being here in Wisconsin. What's pretty special about Iowa State? Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of things, Chris. Um, you know, I, I, I recruited against – well, let me take it back before that. Coming out of high school, I wasn't anything real special. But um, we're going back here in just a few weeks back to Iowa City. Um, we won a championship my senior year at uh, Iowa City, City High. Fifty years have passed, believe it or not. Fifty years. Our class reunion called off the 50-year class reunion um, – 
And I was a little irritated, a little agitated, a little aggravated. So that same night I got on the phone, I started calling all my teammates because 50 years ago, we won a championship at City High for the first time since 1953. I said, this is nuts. We're all going to be, we're all over 65. We're all been vaccinated. We can all get there and, and spend some time together. What do you think about getting together? So we've had this incredible turnout um, and response. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, but when I was coming out at City High my senior year, um, I wasn't anything special, but I think I got some opportunities because I was in Iowa City. Dad was chief of police. Um, they were trying to pull somebody out of Iowa City, and I got some really good opportunities. But the place that I really I came within just absolutely inches of, of going to school and playing was in Iowa State. Johnny Majors was recruiting me. Jackie Sherrill was recruiting me. I learned a lot about the profession, even though back then I didn't even know I was going to get into coaching. I had no idea I was going to be a coach someday. But um, those were two of the best coaches and recruiters in, in my lifetime in all of college football. And they were in my home countless, countless, countless times. Back then, contacts were unlimited. And they had, frankly, had a much better program than Iowa had at the time. And I signed a big eight letter of intent, which was one week before the national letter of intent. I came so close to signing with Iowa State. Some of the Iowa City people kind of rallied. And, and in the end, I decided to go to Iowa and stay in Iowa City. But I came extremely close to going to Iowa State when I was coming out of high school. And I found out back then, why is it special? The people, the university, the campus, um, the opportunities that you have academically. Um, so I found out firsthand being recruited there, it's a really good place. And I grew up in Iowa City and I grew up in a campus town. But after spending 19 years at the University of Iowa as a player and coach, um, seeing the worst and the best, the lowest of lows, the highest of highs, a winless season as a player one year at Iowa, Big Ten Championship, Rose Bowls uh, with Hayden Fry being part of that history, going to Wisconsin, uh, going from 1-10 in 10 to 10-1 10 with Barry Alvarez, and then getting the opportunity to come back and lead that Iowa State program. I coached and recruited against Iowa State a number of times when I was at Iowa and Wisconsin, including playing them twice when I was at Wisconsin. So from the outside in, Chris, I did know a lot about Iowa State, even though I didn't learn nearly as much as I did once I got to be the head coach there. But what I knew and what I found out is there's a real special camaraderie. There's a real special loyalty. There's an incredible bond with the Iowa State fans and anyone that's ever walked the halls of Iowa State University as a student or a student athlete. Um, so I bow up real easily on when people on the outside that don't know anything about Iowa State. What's so special about Iowa State? What the heck is at Iowa State? What do you got? Pigs and cows and corn and wheat? What do you got there? <laughs> and my response is, yeah, and we feed the damn world. And there's a lot more to it than that. But um, one of the great agriculture schools in the country, one of the great agronomy schools, one of the great veterinary schools, one of the great engineering schools. Um, I found out because um, I dug and I asked questions and I and I researched before I took the job at Iowa State when I did get the offer. I wanted to find out as much as I could. Is the potential here? Is the possibilities here? Uh, can we win? Um, are the things in place? Gene Smith, the athletic director now at Ohio State, was the one that was was going to offer me the job and, and was was interviewing me along with lots of people at Iowa State. I just wanted to make sure that the pieces were in place, even though facilities were ridiculous. The program was winless. They hadn't been to a bowl game since the 70s. They'd never won a bowl game in 100 years. 
is everything else in place so that we could build a foundation and do something special someday? And I found out that not only yes, but hell yes, all those things were in place. Well, I will tell you, uh, I was a student there um, from 89 until 95, 96, 95. And so I was there at the lean years there at the end of, of Jim Walden's era. And it, it it's a special bond to to fall in love with a, with a team and a university as bad as we were, right? And I remember when you got hired, I think I was a senior there, and you got hired, and you could just feel the difference in the atmosphere and the attitude of the program. It was almost like, I remember at the end of the uh, of the Jim Walden year, and I, I've, I, I'm, Jim Walden, I'm sure, was a wonderful man and a wonderful coach, but I remember reading a quote somewhere um, where he had said something to the to to the team of, you know, let let's do our best here and let's not let's not get anybody hurt. Let, you know what I mean? And I thought to myself, that was almost like a defeatist attitude. And even if you in your mind think that as a coach, I can't imagine that you would ins- express that to your players. So I got the impression, just from the outside as a fan, you were you were going to make a difference. Those days of losing and taking beatings and taking losing were over. We weren't playing that anymore. And it's a little similar to what I think Matt Campbell instills now. We're not talking about the past. We're talking about what's now. And I think that was kind of your approach coming in, wasn't it, Coach? Yeah, you know, and we had nothing to do with the past, but we had what we had to do with was what was going on each day, today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. And um, I mean, as you go through life and uh, I remember those days like they were last week. And it's amazing that sometimes I don't remember what I had for lunch, but I don't ever forget these things that were um, so much a big part of your life decades ago. And I do remember those days and those weeks. And I was so ecstatic and I was so excited go to the National Coaches Convention every year, Chris, and there's over 10,000 coaches. It's only 126 of us at the time got to be Division One head coaches. Um, and once I got into coaching with Hayden Fry and with Barry Alvarez, and we did the things that we were able to do and go from ridiculous and bad and horrible to respected and honorable and 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 trusted and, and people around the country really thought that uh, we were something that we were going to be have to be contended with every year. When you go through those things and you know that you can do it, you have the belief, you have the plan, you have the understanding, and you know it's going to be really, really hard. But I just wanted – I remember the first day that I took the job in the first week and the first month, I didn't want anybody around that program. I wasn't going to let anybody that was going to touch that program come in with negative attitudes, talking about what we can't do. Let's talk about what we can do. I laid out my plan. I laid out the vision. Here's what we're going to do. And if you want to buy in and be a part of it as a player, as a coach, as a fan, as an administrator, as a trainer, as a manager, great. If you're going to buy in and believe and, and, and join in with me, great. If not, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out of here. I didn't care who it was. You have to buy in. You have to believe. Anybody that touched that program, I want them to believe that someday we will be respected here. And it's been a long, long, long time since Johnny Majors and Earl Bruce coached at Iowa State. And there was respect in that program. But we're going to bring it back. As long as it's been, it's, we're going to bring it back. So do your part. Be with me. Join arms. Let's have some fun along the way. But know that um, it's going to take some time to to do what we want to do here at Iowa State. But the joy that that I had building that 
um, the people that I brown, brought around me, the, the coaches that I surrounded myself with, the players that we brought in that bought in and believed. Um, we made history together, Chris, and I'll never forget it, and I'll always embrace them, I'll always love them, I'll always respect them. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's funny that you, uh, that you mentioned uh, something like that. My daughter is a senior at Iowa State now, and I had a conversation with her today. She was calling me talking about a career choice uh, and, and, and a summer job. And we had a conversation about not being afraid to try and not being afraid. Her, her fear was, well, if I go to this new place, I'll be on the bottom and I'll have to start all over and so on. And I, it was a conversation I had with her that you absolutely cannot live your life like that. You can't be afraid to try something that's hard and difficult. And that just speaks exactly to what you said. No question. No question. And, and, uh, and when you get into those kind of situations like that, it's, it's easy sometimes just to a, a, let's, let's go where, you know, let's go where we can be successful. Let's jump on the bandwagon. Let's go here. Let's go there. But if you can kind of blaze a trail and if you can do things that have not been done in a long, long time, and sometimes maybe never been done uh, now that I'm 67 years old and I have great perspective looking back at all these years, it is really incredible the 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 unbelievable pride that you take in what happened years and years and years ago. But somebody had to be the ray of hope when you're going through those tough times, Nick. Somebody has to be the ray of hope. And I found out, and I learned, and I knew that courage was contagious. And in the toughest times, your butt better be courageous. Being positive is it is contagious. You better be positive and it better not be phony because people can see through that. And there's phonies in every walk of life in America. If you're genuine with being uh, positive and you are the ray of hope and you are courageous and you do defy the odds and say, stick with me, believe me, Walk beside me. Walk behind me. Let's let's stay together in this thing. Someday we're going to do something special. And you do those things. It's one of the most gratifying things you can do in life. And that means football, athletics, sports, walks of life, um, a lot of things that you can do along the, along this journey called life. Absolutely. I'd like to to introduce you, Coach, to to my co-host Tim. He he made it back from work. Uh, he's uh, logged in and. Uh, Tim Johnson from Minneapolis. Tim, great to see you. Yes, Coach. I'm really glad that I, we got a chance to talk to you. I uh, apologize for being late. Just got stuck at work and stuck in traffic. It's one of those things. It's a gorgeous day here in Minneapolis. Uh, probably weather that you're used to all the time. But for us, it's, it's kind of a rarity. And so everyone and their sister was out on the road. So that didn't help anything. Love that area, man. I'm telling you, I love it. Um, my younger sister, Mary, lives in St. Paul, uh, as, as a home the last 20 years on Summit Street there in St. Paul. Um, um, I fortunately got to go recruit the Twin Cities um, 11 years in a row with Hayden Fry. Barry Alvarez <laughs> gave me that area, um, you know, along with in-state and some other places, but gave me that area. I jumped right back up there because of my relationship with high school coaches uh, when I took that Iowa State job. And we found it. I found um, when I first uh, recruited John Alt to the University of Iowa, he was in the circle of fame at uh, Kansas City Chiefs and was a first rounder. Guys from the state of Minnesota will leave. They, some, there's just something about it. It's a great school, great town, great place. But there's always going to be some young men that want to leave. And I found that out my early years at Iowa. And then it carried on through Wisconsin and surely kept going at Iowa State. We were able to always bring some young men there because the high school football and the high school coaches are really underrated, I think, on a national scale. There's some real talent 
in the state of Minnesota and uh, always was glad and, and uh, really appreciated the reception I always got when I went up to the state of Minnesota. Yeah, you know, we have a, a lot of talent up here that I think sometimes gets overlooked. You've noticed probably a lot of times here, certainly over the years, but in recent history, where a lot of guys that ended up playing D2 or D3 ball ended up in the league. You know, a, a guy like Adam Thielen, who who didn't go play at a major school, uh, I think there's there's so much of that talent that for whatever reason just kind of gets missed at some point, and so they end up somewhere else but but there's a lot of of passion and a lot of coaches that have been in their high school coaches and college coaches that have been in their position for a long time no question i got one of my examples i got a lot of great ones through the years but i had a guy named eric anderson um that played at eden prairie high school his coach was mike grant mike grant's father was bud grant the legendary coach at with the minnesota vikings um, because of my relationship and my reputation in the Twin Cities of recruiting young men and taking care of them and, and not being a phony and being genuine and following up and being trustworthy um, with, with young men um, once they get to our campus, we were able to get him. And, and he came in. He was an undersized guy, but one of those great success stories. He ends up being a starter. He ends up earning a scholarship. He ends up being a captain. Uh, surprise, surprise. He was full of character, <laughs> motivation, full of toughness, full of motivation, full of inspiration. And now he's one of the highest paid and one of the most successful guys in all of uh, women's health in America. Eric Anderson, just one of those great stories uh, along the way. But it all started with this little skinny ass little guy from <laughs> Minnesota um, that took a chance on me and Iowa State to come in there and try and help us win games. And he and Ellis Hobbs were captains together on our independence champion champion team uh, down in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, and, and just did a great job in his career. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Bud Grant and, and Coach. I guess I've always kind of considered you cut from the same cloth as a guy like Bud Grant. Uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways, just no none. I mean, Chris, I don't know if, if you – Bud Grant doesn't wear long sleeves in the middle of winter. He's still a short sleeve type, type <laughs> yeah, yeah. guy. He's, he's a, he's a no-nonsense type of guy. Um, it, when you look at coaches like that, is, is that – you know, guys like that, or is that who you, you modeled yourself after as, as you uh, – Oh, went your, made your way through the coaching ranks? Yeah, Tim, you know, I, I learned and I, I just learned at an early age, the, the worst thing that you can do is try and imitate somebody. Um, but I did grow up with Bud Grant and Vince Lombardi. Um, I mean, some of the great, some of the all-time great sitting there watching one game uh, of black and white television in the basement with my brother and my dad, who have both since passed away. I, I remember like it was just a few weeks ago. And watching all these, the George Hallis, the Chicago Bears, uh, some of the greats that ever walked the sidelines in the NFL. And uh, so I never really tried to, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't like, I'm going to be a coach someday when I'm in sixth grade. I'm someday when, when I'm ninth grade, I'm going to be a coach. I didn't know what I was going to do. I really didn't. And when I got through in my career at Iowa, um, I got two chances to go try and make in the NFL. My first year with the Atlanta Falcons, my second year with the Denver Broncos, got cut both times in, in August, didn't make the final roster. And my position coach, who was Ken Stevenson, uh, who has since retired back in um, – in uh, Lake, by Lake Panorama and plays golf frequently this time of year with one of the great players that I ever got a chance to coach in Jordan Carson's. Um, they're real close friends. Now, 
Kemp was the one that said, you need to get your butt into coaching. I'm going to put my arm around you. You stay with me. You belong in coaching. Took me on the road when I was a part-timer with Bob Cummings. So I got some experience recruiting. But Kent was the one that really said, you need to get into it. But I just had – it was just – it was a, it was one of those things I just love the game. I love being around young people. It's one of the things that bothers me today, and it worries me, guys, to be honest with you, because when I got into it, it sure as hell wasn't for salary. Mm-hmm. Um, my first year with Bob Cummings was 10000 The next year was 12000 When Hayden Fry hired me in 1979, it was for $18,000. We sure as hell weren't jumping in going, boy, I'm going to buy a couple of vacation homes and three or four rental properties with this money. We got into it because we loved the game. We wanted to give back to the game. We appreciated the game. We respected it. And it meant so much to us. And then I hope nowadays, but I worry about it, that young guys are getting into it, not because they want to give back to the game, but in some cases they see these millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for head coaches. And they see now millions of dollars for coordinators and they see these high salaries and they're thinking, I want a piece of that where the real focus and the real drive and the real inspiration to me still should remain this is the greatest game that God ever created. I want to give back to it. Let me get into coaching and see if I can help young people. Well, you know, it's funny that you talk about salaries and so on. I had a conversation with somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago when Steve Prome, unfortunately, um, got let go. And his argument was, well, first he was, he was pretty, he took pleasure in his firing, which bothered me a little bit. And then he was like, well, he's got $5 million in a buyout that'll make it better. Well, you know, money isn't necessarily everything. The guy, I'm sure, is probably sitting there thinking, I didn't do my job. I failed at the goals that I wanted to make. No amount of money, when you're a man of integrity, is going to make you feel better, right? So I, I just found that a little odd that people would put it that way, like $5 million is going to cushion the blow a little bit, sure, but it's not going to make you feel good when you didn't meet your goals and you feel like you failed, especially those kids and the, and, and the kids that came and played for you. Steve Brown's a, 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 guys, we know, I mean, he's a phenomenal person. I've met him a number of times. The last time I saw him was at Bill Fenley's dad's funeral uh, over in the Quad Cities. Um, I flew in from Florida. Uh, Steve got over there showing our respects to one of the great friends and great people, one of the great coaches in the history of Iowa State Athletics and Billy Fenley. Um, but I saw Steve, that was the last time I saw him in person, but from a distance, I've had tremendous respect for him. He's a high quality, high character, high integrity guy, had some great seasons, obviously. There was a tremendous, unlike what I stepped into in football, there was a phenomenal tradition of winning in men's basketball. Who are we kidding? Johnny Orr. How, try on Tim Floyd. Try on Laura, Larry Usashi. How about Greg McDermott? How about Freddie Hoiberg? How about Steve Promen in, in his early years? You talk about a long, incredible, incredibly successful a tradition in men's basketball. And you talk about Hilton Magic. Everybody in America, if they're a basketball fan, knows what Hilton Magic is because of all those guys. And I hated to see what happened because I knew Steve was, had really done a great job. But it's the nature of the profession. It's the nature of the beast. What have you done lately? you got to win, baby. That's it. Um, on the other hand, T.J. Otzenberg and I are extremely close friends. My wife, Margie, and I used to put our arm around him when he was a young assistant at Iowa State. <laughs> we used to take him out on the tennis court and play tennis. If you guys ever get a chance to do that, watch out. He's got a hell of a spin shot. Um, <laughs> we got to be really close friends. 
Then we've stayed in touch through the years. TJ brought me up to South Dakota State three years in a row to talk to his staff and talk to his team, even though I don't know whether there's air or sand or, or what there is in a basketball. But out of mutual respect, he brought me in and gave me a chance to talk to all of them. He did an incredible job there. And then he gets the job, as you know, at UNLV. And then he called me and said, Mac, if I can bring you in the, in, into South Dakota State when the wind's blowing, the snow's blowing, you can sure as hell come to Las Vegas and we'll go have a steak where Frank Sinatra used to hang out. <laughs> so I got to go out there and, and, and talk to his team and his staff and, and spend some time with him. My point is this. I got to see him recruit in person with families and young men. I got to watch his practices at South Dakota State and UNLV. I got to watch him handle coaches. I got to watch him handle adversity. So it's no surprise in the short little bit of time that he's been there and he's blown it up with recruiting and done a tremendous job. No surprise whatsoever to all of us that know him. Not one bit. And uh, you're not going to click your fingers and all of a sudden the Hilton magic is back and then we're going to start kicking everybody's butt. But my, bottom, my, my point is this, guys, that was a phenomenal hire. And when, it, when, when Steve Prom struggled and, he, and, and, and it didn't work out in the end for him, I just don't think from my perspective, from being around college athletics, Division One athletics for 45 years, I think that was one of the great hires in college basketball is, is to bring in TJ to Iowa State. Yeah, I, I certainly feel pretty good about where we're positioned to go with men's basketball. Uh, you mentioned Coach Fennelly with women's basketball. That He's become almost a unicorn in some ways because of how long his tenure has been uh, all at the same school. Uh, and to sustain the success that he has, you know, his down seasons are still some pretty good seasons. Um, but it is definitely something where – you know, you'd mentioned how there's kind of that "what have you done for me lately" uh, type of mentality that happens in a lot of a- athletic programs. So it's certainly fun to see a guy like 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 Coach Fennelly that that has been able to maintain uh, a level of 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 success and integrity in the program for as long as he has. Do you know? Do you know and I won't get on the uh, soapbox here, guys. But do you know how unusual that is nowadays? Stop and think about that. Mm-hmm. Kurt Ferentz at the University of Iowa men's football. Billy Finley, women's basketball, Iowa State University. Um, um, Barry Alvarez, football coach, athletic director at the University of Wisconsin. Stop and think about how often do you hear about that nowadays? Where something Mike Krzyzewski, obviously. Um, All the examples of guys that just go and they stay and they had chances to leave. They showed um, loyalty. They showed respect for the people that hired them, gave them that opportunity. It works both ways. Loyalty works both ways. It's one of the things that sickens me because I see it all the time now where they're one of the real dying traits to me, honestly, guys, uh, is, is, is loyalty in families, in athletic departments, on football teams, on basketball teams and businesses. Um, it, one of the things I appreciated so much, anything that ever, if, if I'm gone next week and I take a dirt nap and I'm gone, I, they, they're going to they not say much about me. But I'm going to tell you one thing they're going to say is that cat was loyal now. I learned it as a child in my family. I learned it growing up. Um, it's one of the most important things, unconditional loyalty, unconventional loyalty, loyalty that you sustain, loyalty that, that you fight for, loyalty that you appreciate loyalty that you continue to build and you build that and you permeate it through an athletic department, through your team. And when you see those things, and I was a part of a winless football team in college football. I was part of a national championship in college football. I was a part of 21 bowl games. I was a part of 
four of the biggest turnarounds in my lifetime of teams that were ridiculously bad, Iowa for 22 years, Wisconsin for decades, Iowa State for decades, North Texas for decades. And we won and we turned it around and we had success and we won bowl games and championships. And when you do those things, one of the most important things, guys, is loyalty and building it and maintaining it and sustaining it. So that's what just you appreciate so much. You think Billy Tony hadn't had a chance to lead Ames, Iowa over the last 25 years? Are you kidding me? We both came in at the same time, just a few months apart, and we inherited two of the two of the biggest, largest, most consistent laughing stocks in college athletics: women's basketball at Iowa State and men's football at Iowa State. And we went through some really hard times, but when you do that and you support each other and you respect each other. You wonder why we have this great bond that we'll have uh, until the day we die. Great respect for what we've done. And it's just so easy to cheer for Billy Finley. And who are we kidding, guys? Johnny Orr deserved a statue in, in, in Hilton Coliseum. There better damn be one whenever they decide to build one of Billy Finley over there in Hilton Coliseum for what he's meant. You're in the top 10 in attendance in women's basketball in Ames, Iowa, year after year after year. The guy's really special, and thank God we've had him all these years at Iowa State. Well, I think your, your your point on loyalty is probably one of the main reasons why you're so revered in Ames and with the Iowa State community. The the way that you left and and the sadness that a lot of us had to see you go because we know how much you loved it and were passionate and even after the fact are such a loyal sons forever true Iowa State person. So. Uh, that to me is is one of the probably the reasons that I don't know you've probably never bought a meal in Ames since you left, have you, Coach? I'll tell you, Chris. It, I, the people are incredible. They're unbelievable. Um, I love it every time I go back. My children grew up Cyclones. All of them grew up Cyclones. But when you're going through that maturation stage and you're trying to make friends and you're trying to grow up and act like you kind of know what's going on, they were all their right names, Iowa, and. Uh, they still can sing the Iowa State fight song. They know the words. Um, when that fight song is played, we all get hair on the back of our necks. All these years have passed. I left, obviously. Um, we, we went to number two in the country, had nine wins in South Florida. Great run the year that I was there. Uh, then I get the call. I was, I was going to take the head job in South Alabama. The press conference was all set to go. And Urban Meyer called. And he just said, Matt, one time in your life you should go to a place where you'll never coach against a team that will have better players than we will. Now, they might have as good at players, but they'll ne we'll never face a team that has better players than we have. When have you ever done that in your career? And one time in your life you should go somewhere where you can win that big ring. So I decided to go. We went 30-2 and two our first 32 games, got to hold that crystal ball. My family was part of a national championship. That was pretty special. But – when you go back and you consider what we did and how we started and where we started, and nowadays young kids have no idea and they don't know, those players, those coaches, those administrators, uh, those fans, those uh, doctors, those trainers, those managers, they all knew what we went through and how we did it and how special it was. And when we won that first bowl game in 100 years in Iowa State football history in Phoenix, Arizona, um, and I've been in the Rose Bowls numerous times, the Orange Bowls, the, the Sugar Bowls. That one will always remain one of my all-time favorites, guys. I'm just telling you, it was unbelievable to finally bring a bowl championship to Iowa State football. Uh, was was an incredible experience, and, and we couldn't have done it without the, the, the fans that we had and the support that we got at Iowa State.
Well, when, yeah. when sorry, Tim, when, when we that just leads me into um, when we found out that you were going to come on, Coach. I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a who's a big Iowa State fan, and he asked me to ask you that there was a moment in the late in the fourth quarter of that Insight Bowl game where there was a timeout, and his memory served. Pitt had the ball, and it may have been fourth down, and the defense huddled up. And what struck us was that the entire team huddled together as one group, not just the defense, but the defense, special teams, everybody. And as a fan, supporter, and alum, I got chills because of that group of players appeared to be a team in every sense. So why don't you tell us your thoughts on that? On Do you remember that? And tell us your thoughts on that inside bowl team. And that Yeah, I do, re- I do remember, Chris. I appreciate you bringing it up. And a lot of people don't remember it or they don't. And they just, you know, maybe not have recognized that or saw it. But your friend was it was an amazing observation. But um, it was just spoke so well to that team. You see it with Matt Campbell now, what's going on, the bond, their togetherness, the toughness. You can't have physical toughness without mental toughness. Um, the loyalty, the pride, the brotherhood. Uh, there's just a lot of phonies that say things and they throw stuff out there and just hope it sticks. But that team was genuine. That team believed. That team wanted to do something that had never been done in the history of Iowa State football. Um, and I've talked about it before, but I'll never forget. Um, one of the things I always did during two-a-days during camp, back when we had two-a-days, <laughs> I'd, I'd let my seniors get up and talk and say, okay, what do you want to accomplish this year? Why can we accomplish that? If this is what you want to do this year, then how can we get there? And why is this team different than any teams that haven't been able to do that? And especially when you're in places like Iowa State that had so lack, such lack of a success for so long. And I remember that group, the 2000 team, um, that got up and I said, I, I, I listen, I don't want phoniness. I don't want stuff that you heard somewhere else or you read in some book or you heard some other team said that during camp. I don't want that. What can we do? What do you think we can do? And as we got through that meeting, those seniors got up and what a special group of seniors that was. Just a bunch of yard dog, back alley, fight you, scratch, claw, wanted to do something different. And Doug Densmore got up and undersized, under-recruited, um, defensive back who just loved Iowa State, loved his teammates, loved the, what we stood for, uh, wanted to do something special. And he got at me and said, here's what I want to do, guys. Every time this, the calendar runs around and it comes in December, we sit home, we, we sit here in Ames Island, we freeze our asses off. Here's what I want to do. I want to go somewhere hot in December. I want to have such a season and, 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 and many more highlights than lowlights. Do some things we've never done here. And come December, what do you think we go somewhere hot? What about that one? And that's what I want to do. So I got through, listening to all the seniors. I evaluated the team over the next couple of weeks and two a days. I remember coming back in the week of our opening game that year. And I had a big thermometer made, big, 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 tall thermometer made. The foundation of the thermometer was what we had done during winter workouts, spring ball, uh, two-a-days, um, the commitment they'd made with Matt McGetty and my strength coach, who was with me all 12 years, incredible guy. Um, that's our foundation. Now, here's what we do, and I laid out the goals, and at the top of that was go somewhere hot in December. So when I started working, John Junker, who was the uh, executive director of the uh, Fiesta Bowl, and I, Margie and I, my wife and I had a great relationship from going down to their um, Fiesta Frolic every spring, even though we hadn't been going to bowl games yet. They invited coaches and ADs down there. We had a great relationship with John. So I started calling him, I think, when we probably got our fourth win. 
And I said, just keep an eye on us, Johnny. Just keep an eye on us. And it may not be the Fiesta Bowl, but I know you've got the inside dot com ball. Be a great place. Our fans are starved. We'd love to go somewhere hot in December. My seniors want that. And with every one of those wins, and including the, the Missouri win when we had won the telephone trophy, big win, get the first winning season in decades. One of their representatives uh, from the Fiesta Bowl, inside.com Bowl, was there. And we had him in the locker room, and I wasn't going to let him leave until he talked to the football team. <laughs> he did a great job. Obviously, we went on for some more big wins. And, um, and winning that game down there, going down there somewhere hot in December and winning that bowl game is will always be one of the most special memories I ever have. But the point that you made and the, your friend that saw what it, that's what it's all about. And whether it's women's soccer or men's track or women's swimming or men's basketball or or or, or men's football. Whatever the sport, if you just have that undying loyalty and belief and confidence and brotherhood or sisterhood within a team, which we had in that 2000 team, look out because there's some real special things that are going to happen. And that's when really some magic can happen with an athletic team. Yeah, you guys really started rolling it. And you had a, you had a good stream of players coming in after that that really helped you turn it around. And speaking of that, uh, earlier this year, we had a, uh, a little podcast with uh, George Condit, who played under, uh, under Jim Walden, and Brent Curvey. And I spoke to Brent last night, and uh, he uh, he and I recorded a couple questions. I asked him uh, his reactions about you, and if you're all right with it, we'd like to play it and then get your reaction of what Brent Curvey said about you. Okay, better look out. Watch out for this one. <laughs> all right, Brent, thanks for hopping on to talk about Coach Mack. How are you doing tonight? Going good, man. Now I'll always hop on if it's got something to do with Mack, so all glad right. I could be around. Well, we're going to talk to Coach Mack tomorrow night. So I think the first thing I want to ask you is, is when I say Coach McCarney, what are your first thoughts that come to mind? Man, this guy's got a memory like no other. Um, crazy motivator. Um, gosh, man. I, I think his ability to captivate people is like none other. Like he's You hear that saying a lot about people wanting to run through a wall for a coach, you know, listening to him, want to play for him. And that's 100% coaching. What kind of impact did he have on you as a player and maybe as a man? Man, you know, uh, he was a good motivator, you know, and he kind of understood, you know, play the game, but also have fun. Um, So, you know, one of the things that for me, when I scored my touchdown at Baylor, you know, I got a flag and all of that stuff. And it was always in my heart, I was going to get a flag no matter what. And I had so many celebrations playing prior to that, but it happened so fast. I didn't get to do any of them. So whatever happened, happened, and I got flagged for it. And, you know, Coach Mack just had to be a coach. It was like, hey, you know, act like you've been there. It was like, well, shit, I had never been there, Coach. So how can I have been there? So, so he got it, right? He was, he was happy as I'll get out for him, but had to throw that coach in too. But – I mean, he was just a, a genuine guy, and you don't get that a lot with coaches. Um, so he was a good influence to have for me personally just because um, he actually cared, you know, and, and coaches come to your house and recruit you to come to their school, and um, they'll blow a lot of smoke up your ass, but I didn't I didn't get that from Matt, you know. He told me a lot of things that ended up coming true uh, when I came to Iowa State, and that's a big 
a huge part of the reason why I came. So um, more than anything, his work ethic was crazy. You know, being able to obviously maintain the schedule of a head coach, you know, still be on the road recruiting and still have your hand on all your players. Um, it just showed a lot. So, you know, a lot of those qualities that he had, I paid close attention to and I kind of hold close to the best myself. Cool. Last thing I'll, I'll ask you and then I'll let you have your night back. <clears throat> Tell me one funny or maybe unknown story about Coach Mack that might, uh, some of the listeners might enjoy. Hmm. Funny. Uh, I don't know, man. He had the craziest nicknames for people. And it was just one of those things we'd come out. Hey, man. Hey, it's uh, it's Coach Mack. Hey, man. Come on, man. And that was like his his high-pitched voice. And it was always upbeat and crazy happy. I mean, I was curveball for a lot of my college career. So the whole curve eight thing wasn't existing out there with him. Um, I don't have a ton of funny stories. Uh, I can think of some funny instances, but I don't know. If there's one in particular. I don't know if you want me to share. So I'm going to not do that one. But I will tell you this. When I was recruited uh, by Coach Matt, um, he came to my house, and a good friend of mine was a year older than me, and he played baseball at Southern University. And, I mean, literally not to this day, but, I mean, maybe four or five years ago, Coach Mack was still asking me about my friend that played baseball just because he remembered he was there. So it's a testament to his memory and it's a testament to him caring. Um, so more than anything, I think that's the best story I got just to kind of talk to the character, the man that he really is, you know, so great. Well, this is your last chance to give, give coach a, a shout out and then we'll, we'll let you get to your night, Brent. Oh man, I got nothing, man. You know, coach Mack, you know, I got crazy love for him, uh, between him and coach Neller. Those are the two, uh, probably my top two coaches that impacted me the most, um, on and off the field. So greatly appreciate him, man. I'm sure he's down there catching a, a hell of a tan in Florida and all that fun stuff. So hopefully I can see him here in a couple of weeks when I go down to visit. There you go, coach. What do you think of that? You know, it's, it, it's what makes it's what makes it all worth it uh, at the time. And sometimes you don't get a chance. There's just there's so many things going on 100 miles an hour all the time. And you're wearing so many hats as a head coach. And and um, but when you get older and time passes and um, you you really realize that the years and the miles don't really affect the memories and they don't really affect the friendships. They don't really affect the the, the amazing um, experiences that we had together. Um, I always told my guys, you know, one of the things I think that will really help um, if, if if we get to this point where you eliminate distractions fear nothing, attack everything. And, um, and, 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 and create this energy every single day. And boy, a guy like Brent Curvey bought into that and played the game with such passion and with such energy and wasn't afraid. And, you know, you try to, the game is so complex and yet sometimes we get too carried away with that, with all that stuff. Honestly, I, I get into meetings sometimes with coaches and say, "Listen, let's not let's not make this thing too complex. Who do you really trust? Who do you really respect? Who can we win with? And who do you want to walk down that dark alley with? Who do you want beside you going down that dark alley?" Well, I can tell you from the years that I spent with Brent Curvey, one of the first cats, one of the first players, one of the first guys that I'm gonna grab and, and pull him and take me with him down that dark alley is Brent Curvey. 
and now he's just having tremendous success. He's got the the, the Kolachi um, business company kicking butt, great business. He and his wife are doing a phenomenal job. They're just expanding their building, and 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 you want it's amazing how that stuff goes. Okay how this goes on in later life. Do they have a real good work ethic? Do they have a lot of character? Do they have a lot of integrity? Are they real loyal people? Uh, do they really care about the ones around them? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, it's funny how that works on a football team. And then they get through school and they get through playing football someday. And those same attributes really can help them be successful in life. And Brent Curvey is one of those guys. But what a joy he was to have on a football team. What a freaking joy he was. How much fun he was to have on a football team. And even though he's a little bit undersized, and that's what kept him from getting some of the offers that he got, and Mike Nelson, God bless him, was gone now, did such a great job recruiting him and getting him to come to Iowa State. But he made a lot of guys that were a lot taller, a lot bigger, and a lot had more stars behind their names look silly on game days, boys. I'm talking about made them look silly. Made them look silly. Laughed at him and turned around, went back and got the next call for the next defense. Well, we certainly enjoyed talking with him. I I can say that I remember every one of uh, his touchdowns and how much I giggled with just sheer childlike glee watching him because he was a guy I think that was just really fun uh, to watch. And you could tell he was having a good time out there. Um, but it, you could also tell that, you know, like a lot of those guys that played for you, that they really wanted to, to do well uh, for themselves and for you. Um you know, I think that that's a, a testament of it, just with that, that you could tell those guys uh, really were playing for each other. I can see that 290-pound curveball screaming down the field in the <laughs> tornado game at, at, yep. against Colorado, nationally ranked Colorado team. Uh, we get the delay. All we had to do was go back in, in there 45 to 50 minutes, sit in the locker room. The fans, all they did was just go out and party more and tailgate more. And it wasn't like anybody was hiding. They went back to the parking lot and tailgated and got a little bit more drunk and had more fun. And then we came in and played one of the great games in my whole career, my uh, all those years at Iowa State. And I can still see curveball screaming down that field, man. Huge play. That's why he was called Big Play Curvey. And uh, and but what 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 a, what a joy he was to coach and to have on a team. You guys could tell talking to him. You'd enjoy sitting down, having a beer with him, coaching him, uh, being around him. Uh, now you just got to go down there when you get a chance to go down and buy some colaches from his store. I, I, I go about yeah. twice a month, coach. <laughs> there you <So>. go. <laughs> <laughs> it's my my waistline doesn't exactly enjoy it. But it's, good for, it's good for the weekend. So. Coach, you were talking about loyalty. One thing I really wanted to, to dig into because I was uh, like, I felt like the only cyclone in the heart of Hawkeye country in Eastern Iowa growing up. Uh, so you are, you're a Hawkeye and a cyclone, right? And you knew what that game meant. And you brought meaning back to that game for fans like me. Uh, and so you have this loyalty to rival schools. I, I can't even imagine what that's like and what that game meant to you. Yeah. You know, I, I got to, how about this one guys? I got to coach in 25 Iowa state, Iowa games, 25 of them. Are you wow. kidding me? That's amazing. 
uh, unbelievable. And to be on both sides, um, um, I, I did get somebody did look it up uh, and sent me. I, I did have a winning record, so I'm glad of that. I know how it feels to win those games. I know how it is to lose those games. Um, we had on really good teams losing that game, uh, really bad teams winning that game. Kind of, you know, both teams really having good win, good seasons. I remember the 9-11 year, uh, Iowa and Iowa State for the first time played at the end of the year because of 9-11, and we were both both qualified, both had really good seasons, came back to Ames, Iowa, um, found a way to make more plays. Adam Rung gets the interception late out of Stillwater, Minnesota, late in the game to win the game, to ice the victory, to keep the, keep the trophy in, in Ames. Um, but I just – I really miss it. There's, a, there's some things you don't miss, obviously, um, um, as a head coach, but there's some things you really miss. And not being able to coach in that game anymore, that's one of those things you really miss because it's such an honor. It means so much. Um, and people always say, well, you, Iowa State put more into it than Iowa did. No, let me tell you, I was in a whole bunch of those <laughs> The game was really important over there in Iowa City, too, whether uh, all those years that I was with Bob Cummings and Hayden Fry uh, trying to win that series once we renewed it after 40-some years in 1977. Um, and, then, and then obviously um, going through the tough times that we did, taking over the job at Iowa State, um, lost the first couple of years, uh, 95, 96, 97, um, got real ugly. Tim Dwight senior year, they were throwing touch, uh, Coach Fry's throwing a touchdown pass late in the game to score 63 points. Uh, came up to me afterwards, love him, respect him. Um, would never got an opportunity to, in college football without him. But he came up and said, Mac, I didn't, we didn't mean to do that. The, 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 you know, the quarterback audibleized to that. And I wasn't buying it then. I'm not buying it now. <laughs> <laughs> They wanted to score as many. They could have scored. If they could have scored 100, they would have been. Well, it was 63, which was not far from 100. Um, fortunately, the next year we went over as 29-point underdogs and beat them 27-9, turned the whole series around, won five in a row, won six of the next nine, and now you've got one of the great robberies in all the college football. And the country knows it now and understands it. And college game day was there, obviously. I just – I had – I was so proud watching that. And knowing that college game day finally came to the Iowa State-Iowa game to be a part of that um, and so that more of the country can really understand one of the great robberies and two of the great schools in all of America play each other every year. And that was so cool. But um, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I, uh, the, the losses are really, really gut-wrenching. The wins are incredible. Um, but, but to be a part of that as a player and a coach – to not be able to coach in that and play in that game as, as Kirk and Matt and their staffs and their players were able this past year. I just know how, how horrible that was, had to have been, not to play that game. But the good news is a lot of those guys can come back that were supposed to be seniors can come back and play in that game this year and be part of one of the great robberies in all of college football. And, and we get them at home again. So we'll take that. That that game this, this September is shaping up to be – even bigger than it was two years ago uh, with game day being there. Uh, Iowa State a potential top 10 in, I in Iowa, easily probably in the top 15. That's, I think, going to be even crazier than it was. And, and Iowa State and Iowa fans just showed out for that game day experience. It was amazing. I was there. It, it was probably one of the highlights of, uh, of me as a fan for sure. 
Can you imagine how hungry college football fans are because of the pandemic and, and handfuls of people getting to go to games instead of sellouts and you don't play the game a year ago. And as you mentioned, um, two, two incredible teams coming back, lots of experience, lots of veterans. Game's going to be in Ames. Iowa State will clearly be favored in the game, no doubt, with all the talent they've got coming back in the preseason top 10 team. But mark it down, it's going to be a hell of a football game. It'll be a hell of a football game. And and uh, uh, one of those will be exciting for, especially if you're a graduate or you played or coached or went to school at Iowa, Iowa State. But now, as I mentioned, now whether you're just a fan of college football, it's going to be one of those you want to tune in and say, what's happening in Ames, Iowa? What channel is it on? What time's the kickoff? I want to watch that game. Yeah, you know, I not in my wildest dreams, I think, what I've ever expected a um, a top five, top ten Iowa State team at a, at a preseason at all. It's just not something that I could have even fathomed. I, you certainly had an, an uphill climb when you got to Iowa State. You were very familiar with the school, having been in, at Iowa uh, leading up to that spot. Uh, you know, in in the mid nineties, would you have ever imagined? Iowa State would be where they are at at this point right now. Yeah, you know, if you if you don't if, if you don't believe, if you don't dream, if you don't have hope, if you don't, um, you, you, you know, each day, you know, it's one thing you know, looking way out there. Okay, here's where we want to be someday. And I remember when I, the first day on the job with Barry Alvarez, I left Iowa City after 36 years. We spent eight years together at Iowa, and then I got two chances to go to Notre Dame. The second time, I'm all set to go with Barry and Lou Holtz. Barry's telling me, put on the brakes. Lou wants you here again, but there's rumors up in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, that, that obviously turned out to be a pretty good gig, and, and we went one and ten to ten and one there. But but I, I knew that there was just there there was something special about Iowa State. And when you go into a program that's winless, you know that the record's just one thing. If a program is that far down from a record standpoint, there must be a lot of things behind the scenes that have to get fixed. Well, obviously that was the case. We had tremendous fans. We had a great university academically. The facilities were an absolute joke. We had high schools in the state of Iowa and we didn't have great facilities in the state of Iowa for high schools, but there many, many, many high schools in the state of Iowa had better facilities than we had at Iowa State. Now that was a bit of a shocker when I walked in the first time to see that. Um, there's more to it than facilities, but don't think the unbelievable development and and contributions of the Iowa State fans. Now, when you walk into the Iowa State facilities, it's a different world, guys. It's a whole different world. And you go, well, how much does that make a difference? But what makes a hell of a difference? It makes a huge difference. Because if things are even, I like both coaching staffs. I like the players. I like the community. I like the academics. But what are the facilities that I'm going to be in about 350 days of the year? What do they look like when I'm going to be going to training table, when I'm going to be going to academics, when I'm going to be going to weightlift, when I'm going to be sitting meetings, when I'm going to be going to team meetings, when I'm going to be going into a workout in bad weather, when I'm going to be going into workout in great weather. What's that whole atmosphere like? And for the first time in my lifetime, Iowa State now with this new facility that's being built will have as good a facilities at the University of Iowa ever. And I've never seen it in my lifetime. And I know the facilities of both of them. I grew up in one town. I spent 36 years in Iowa City, 12 in Ames. I've seen the facilities in both places. Now, I have not seen the newest facility because I didn't get back this fall because of the pandemic. 
but there's an incredible atmosphere now led by Matt Campbell and the job that he's done. But when you walk those young men in from around America and especially in the state of Iowa and say, we have a commitment to excellence. We are first class. We are big time. And they start looking around at that whole atmosphere. They ain't no doubt that that's exactly what's going on. That they have no doubt that that's what we have at Iowa state now. That's uh, that's kind of the argument I have a lot of times uh, with people when I when I hear the whole well it's Iowa State they can't you know they, they won't sustain it or you guys should be happy with what you got already and 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 to me I'm like why why can't I hope and dream for the same thing that that every other team out here does right we we have just as good a shot Matt Campbell has passed up on jobs that have been offered to him. You know, I always hear, well, he he's eventually going to leave. He's eventually going to leave. Well, you know, maybe he won't. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't begrudge him if he did. But maybe he's the kind of guy that wants to build something and, is, and kind of your mentality, Coach, where he was like, I, I want to leave a legacy here of what I can do and, and take something from, from, from the ground up and build something that I'm proud of. You know, Bill, Bill Snyder is a perfect example. He, yeah, he you know, he – he brought Kansas State out of out of the drudges and and stayed there for twenty some years. You know who's to say that that Coach Campbell can't do that? It doesn't mean that you have to just play it off that it'll never happen. And the people that that do that, I just I can't be around. I can't talk to those people. Well, you, you, I mean, exactly right. And and who knows? Um, Matt's already had a number of off, offers and opportunities, college and NFL. Uh, it's great that we've got a guy at Iowa State that's getting those opportunities. It's not a bad thing. Um, you want coaches that are going to get opportunities because other people want them to hire uh, them and their staffs because of the success. They're not getting calls from the NFL and other college coaches and other college universities and, and great places because they're doing a half-assed job. They're doing it because they're, they're getting those calls because they're doing a tremendous job. And the whole country respects what you are and who you are and what you're doing and how you're doing it. And no doubt there's going to be more opportunities. Um, but it's just fun, you know. Who knows? I know this much. Matt loves Ames. His family loves Ames. He loves the people. He could have left for a lot more money this past year. He and I have a real, real close, genuine, respectful uh, uh, relationship. A lot of a, a lot more money, obviously. He wants to continue doing something special, and he loves those kids. And he's the one that brought him in there. So. If you have the university, if you have the support, if you have the facilities, if you can make a real good living, if you can sustain and maintain and hold on to your coaches and pay them and take care of them. So it's not a, a ladder to go someplace else, but it's a really, it's a destination. And I really believe, guys, there's no doubt in my mind, Iowa State University is a destination now. It's a destination for coaches and student athletes. It is really an incredible place. Um, is it the only one? Well, hell no. There's a lot of real good places around America, but it is there. And as long as we can keep Matt Campbell at Iowa State, we will continue to be challenging for championships and challenging for national rankings and continue to bring respect and honor back to Iowa State football. Now, that much I know. I always say whenever whenever Coach uh, Campbell gets an offer from somebody else, he should pick up the phone and call Fred Hoiberg and ask him about going to greener pastures and whether or not it was a good idea to leave when he was revered and worshipped in Ames. I'm thinking Fred might have made a different choice. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, we, we love our guys. We love our coaches, um, men's and women's sports. And unless you've been there, you just don't know. And people, don't, they just really don't know. And you're around all, all over the place. And I get, I get to travel around the country. And I've done that through my career. And I've done it in retirement. You see all these people. And they just don't really get it. But if you've been there like you guys have, and you've been a student, or you've been a student athlete, or you've been a, a professor, or you've been a teacher, or you've been uh, an administrator, you've been there and you've lived in that town, you understand the passion, the loyalty, um, the incredible bond. Um, and it was easy for me, um, not, not easy to win. There was nothing easy about that. And Matt and I have talked about that before. Unless you've walked in those shoes as a head coach at Iowa State, you don't really get it. You just don't get it. There's challenges there that people will never understand and never know on the outside. And that's fine. It is a really tough job for a lot of reasons. But he's brought so much respect and honor back to that place right now that he can go in many, many places in the country, get his foot in the door. His coaches can get their foot in the door to say, you know what? We better go take a look at Iowa State. There's something special going on. There is something really special going on in Ames, Iowa. Billy Finley's been doing it for a long time. You got Matt Campbell doing it in men's football. No doubt in my mind, TJ will get that going in men's basketball. Uh, there's a lot of sports, obviously, the cross country. There a lot of sports, as you guys know, that have been successful at Iowa State. And when you can defy the odds and do things that people don't think you can do and make them look silly, now that is really one of the most gratifying things you can do in, in athletics. You know, Chris mentioned uh, Coach Snyder. So Bill Snyder's a guy that you got a chance to to coach alongside uh, as well as coach against uh, for a, a many many years many games uh and it seems like guys like that sometimes feel like like a, a dying breed but you know that to me was always the example that i looked for right i mean you want to talk about an historically bad program and a town that people say is in the middle of nowhere and how you know having facilities behind the curve and you know having all of the recruiting disadvantages um it's definitely something that I've seen, and, and I would imagine, uh, you, you know, you hear all these great stories about about Coach Snyder, um, but uh, that has to be a guy to me that I think a lot of coaches that are trying to build something in, in a town like Ames still have to look up to. No, no question, no question, and you're not, everybody's got their own personalities. Everybody's got their own approach. Everybody, I, that's why, like I said, <clears throat> mentioned earlier. <clears throat> Don't try to imitate anybody. Be yourself. Now, you, that doesn't mean you can't be a sponge and learn from some of the best that ever coached the game, but do it within your own personality and your own approach. Um, Bill Snyder did that. Coach Fry gave all of us opportunities. We're all a bunch of young guns. Bill Snyder, Barry Alvarez, myself, Kurt Ferentz, uh, Brett Bielema was a walk-on for me. Carl Jackson and Brett, Bill Brazier never got to be head coaches, but those are two of the most successful assistant coaches I've ever been around in my life. But you didn't want 10 Barry Alvarez's on one staff. You didn't want 10 Bill Schneiders. You didn't want 10 Dan McCarney's. Believe me, you just, it's a matter of meshing and blending these different talents, these different abilities, um, these different personalities, these different approaches. And that's what Hayden Fry was so good at and so magical. And why um, one of the things that, he, that we talked about before he passed away, one of the things he's most proud of um, was that of all the coaches that had assistant coaches that got division one opportunities to be head coaches, Hayden Fry in his lifetime got more assistant coaches to be head coaches than anyone in the country. 
He was so proud of that. ESPN did a special on it and a study on it. And he said, Mac, do you, you have any idea who finished third behind me? And I said, no, coach, who was that? And he said, guy named Bobby Bowden at Florida State. And he said, you know who finished second behind me? Putting out assistant coaches to be Division One head coaches? I said, no, coach, I, I really don't. He said, a guy named Bear Bryant at the University of Alabama. <laughs> coach Fry had more assistant coaches, and he just had this incredible ability to – bring out the best in all of us. You know, this is one of the things I've seen Matt Campbell do. Um, the best leaders I've been around. I've been around so many Hall of Fame guys, Bill Snyder, obviously. So many Hall of Fame coaches and players and administrators. But the best that I've ever been around were able to do this, guys. It's not that magical, but it's it, it's real. And I saw it happen over and over and over from the best. The best that I were around are the ones that set out the expectations set the expectations for everyone. But then the ones that are really good at it and the best at it, they inspire you to live up to those expectations. It's one thing setting a goal, put it up on a board, put it up on a PowerPoint, put it up on a TV screen, put it in their notebooks. That's great. But do you have the ability to inspire them to live up to those expectations? And then they have to be realistic what can we do? What can this team do? Not that we're that's something that worked at uh, for the Green Bay Packers, or something that worked at Notre Dame, or something that worked at UCLA, or something that worked at Penn State, or something. What can we do? What are we able to do? What should we set out as an expectation, and then have the ability to inspire everyone to do that? And I see that from Matt Campbell. That's one of the many reasons he's really uh, really successful. He set out expectations and here's what we're going to do. And some people may look down their nose and they may laugh. And I've already seen some of that already. You guys have too, probably for the preseason prognosticators. There's no way Iowa State belongs in the top five or top ten and all that. Here we go again. Yep. You know, incredible success last year. But then can you inspire them to live up to those expectations? And, uh, and the best I've been around were the ones that were really good at that. Well, I, I will tell you that I think he's one of those genuine articles that can talk the talk and, and, and walk it as well. I have told this story a few times, but my two stepsons uh, have Williams syndrome, uh, which is a uh, intellectual disability. And every year since Coach Campbell has been there, he's done uh, what they call Victory Day. And I'm not sure if you've seen this, Coach, where it's uh, probably it's a Saturday before the first game. He'll bring in about 60 special needs kids, pair them up with with players. They get to be on the field. They get to do it. They get to hang out in the locker room, try on all the equipment, and then they'll they'll run an offense versus a defense and let the kids score a touchdown. And then the band plays, and it's on the jumbotron. It's an amazing experience for these kids. Yeah. And the boys have done it. Uh, we're able to do it a couple years in a row. And uh, the next year after they didn't do it, uh, we were all at a game uh, at the West Virginia game. Uh, and he had walked down the tunnel early. They were warming up, and he had, they had walked down, and the boys were down on the on one of the grassy lots. And they, they were yelling at him, and he turned around and looked at him and walked over there. He knew their names, remembered their names, remembered their parents' names, and asked him how they were doing. And I was like, who does that? Like, who? The guy's about ready to coach a game. This was a year ago that he's seen these two boys. That, to me, just was was the general, the genuine article of a, of a man of integrity that I just, I really admire to that. It says it all. I mean, just, that's who Matt Campbell is. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's, that's what he does. And he's built that program piece by piece, day by day. Um, there, you know, there's a difference between 
um, explanations and excuses. And you hear so many excuses in every walk of life. Um, Matt's not going to make any of them. Whatever, no matter how good or how bad a game is or a day or a recruit or a, whatever's happened off the field or on the field, it, there's going to be explanations, but there's not going to be any excuses. And that's one of the many reasons I have just such admiration for him talking about your sons. That, that's all that needs to be said to talk about the character and the integrity of that guy. For sure. sure. Well, Coach, there's a couple of things I'd like to hit on, and, and I appreciate your time. Uh, but we've talked about all these great memories I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about some of the heartbreak. Uh, for example, uh, our loss in the Boise State Bowl, that still uh, twists a knife to me that we lost to Boise State in their home stadium. What What are your feelings on that game? Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was a shame. Um, I, I wasn't real fired. I'll be honest with you. We had a great year that year. If you remember, we beat um, uh, Nebraska, we beat Iowa, yeah. um, who was went undefeated in the big 10, didn't lose a game all year in the big 10, big 10. Champ. We, I mean, we had a really good football team, but I believe it was early in the second quarter when Seneca got hurt, um, and never played another down the rest of the game. But when, when the big 12 came out and said, listen, you guys had a really good year. We're proud of you. We're excited. We're sending it to the humanitarian bowl and you're going to play Boise state in their home stadium. Yeah. My first response was off the record. You got to be shitting me. <laughs> It'd be like be holding a, a bowl game in Ames, Iowa, and I'm going to host a game in December in Ames, Iowa, and Jack Trace Stadium, and bring somebody else in there. I mean, that, and so it wasn't an excuse. I didn't say that to the team, but as soon as I heard that, believe me, my wife heard that, and I, I, I was. Shocked, honestly, because I thought we deserved a better matchup than that, than having to go play in somebody's backyard, their home stadium, to go play a bowl game with the season that we'd had. That being said, we didn't play good enough. Ugly day, raining, cold. Seneca oh. gets hurt. Chris Love, God bless him, that's gone now, um, came in and did the best that he could. But we got beat by a better team, period, end of story. They beat us that day and, and did a better job and deserved the win. But um, it still won't take away my – respect for that team and the accomplishments that year and some of the best wins that we'd had in many, many, many years at Iowa State. Absolutely. Seneca was, was, was a special, he was in, by the way, coach, he was in. Seneca was in. <laughs> oh, Florida State? Oh, yeah. You no, he was in. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So, but thank God we had him the two years that we had him and uh, he's back as you guys know um, with his stores yeah. and his hotel and doing great in the state of Iowa giving back to the state of Iowa doing well um, and, and just one of the real class acts one of the great players ever pulled on a uniform at Iowa State that, that's all an Iowa State player has to do is open up a restaurant around here I'm all about it I, I, I get their restaurant too so. yeah I'm with you uh, yeah the other thing I got to talk about is is our is our misses in the Big Twelve North. We were so close those year those two years, yeah. And it just it just slipped away. I was it just your you just some quick thoughts about about some of those teams and and how close we were. Yeah, I mean we had two 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 years two of the three years um, we were rocking and rolling and winning and going to bowl games and we missed two kicks in overtime that kept us from the Big Twelve championship game. Um, and um, we weren't good enough as a team to get it done, but it still came down to making – and we weren't asking for Tom Dempsey's 63-yarders. I mean, he just had to make a solid average kick, which we could have done it. We had the snaps. We had the protection. We just didn't make the kicks. Would have loved to have. 
And it was really, honestly, guys, it was one of the reasons I was really motivated to go to Arlington, Texas, to watch Iowa State play Oklahoma because we did come so close. We didn't get there. We had two overtime losses that would have kept us from the Big 12 championship game. Didn't get it done. Wish we would have. But with the job that Matt did and his staff and his team, I wanted to be there. And uh, so I went down and met a bunch of former players, my son, Shane, Eric Anderson, Zach uh, Butler, uh, Ellis Hobbs. Uh, just uh, got to see a whole bunch of guys down there and cheered like crazy to try and see if we could win a Big 12 championship down there in, in uh, Cowboy Stadium. But anyway, um, I, I, I still have tremendous respect for any of those guys and all those guys. Um, would have loved to have had the chance to go coach for a Big 12 championship. We did win the Big 12 North, uh, tied for it the one year. But it sure would have been fun to go play in that championship game and just say, listen, one time, let's go see if we can win a championship. Uh, Matt came up a little bit short last year. Obviously, they're going to be favored to be back again this year. What does that mean? Really nothing on paper. It means nothing to do. you got to go do it now between the white lines uh, for an entire college football season. Stay healthy. Stay hungry. Keep the edge. Go do the things that we've done already in the past. Improve on those. Um, and, and I know that we've got tremendous leadership from a player standpoint, a coaching standpoint, to hopefully put us in a situation to go back and make a run at that championship again this year. Yeah, it's, it's certainly one of, there's a different vibe. You know, Chris and I have talked a lot about how I, as Iowa State fans, we're used to, you know, calls not going the way. The, the Seneca call, it didn't surprise me that it, it didn't go our way, even though it was the wrong call. Um, Tony Yelks kicking the Independence Bowl against Alabama. That oh, which I, was good. That, that was, was good, good, too. That, that my was wife good. and my I children don't... were in the end zone, and on the and it was it, it was good. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, we lost by a point to Alabama that day, and, and uh, but I, that kick was good too. Now, so and uh, uh, it, it, it's too bad we didn't we didn't need to make it close. It's too bad we couldn't have just stroked it right through the middle and left no doubt about it. But. But uh, anyway, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. But, but you know, now it's like I expect, you know, things are going to, to start to, to go our way. It's, it's, it's changed not just um, the culture within the football program, but it's changed the culture of the fans, too. You know, it's really changed expectations to a, a level where uh, I guess I don't always look at at Iowa State and go, oh, here we go again, like I like I did for so many years of my life um, because I knew, that, you know, we were going to get jobbed or, you know, something else was going, going to go wrong. And, you know, I'm also a Vikings fan, so missing uh, gimme uh, field goals at the end of the game is is kind of a, a thing we do here. Um, but it, it's it's been fun to see how, how you know, every part of the, the, the culture has changed too. No doubt. And uh, each new season, as we know, guys, each new season that comes upon, we all get to define how we want to be remembered. Um, whatever sport it is, men's, women's, whatever it is, uh, it's not that far off where we'll be out there and getting ready to kick off the 2021 season. And Matt Campbell and his crew gets to define how we want to be remembered on this team with this team and, and the tremendous guys that are coming back. A lot of guys that are going to get a chance to play on Sundays. 
dependent on their senior years. It's not about um, um, just being able to run a pro agility and how much you can bench and how much you can vertical. They're going to push play. They want to see you go out there and play at your best and be better than you were last year. They want to see you be dominant. They want to see you be the best at your position. They want to see you be consistent. They want to see you play as hard in the fourth quarter as you did the first series of the first. Can we do that? And if you do that collectively, then we're going to be really, really hard to beat. If we can stay healthy and God's watching over us and keep our injuries to a minimum, then look out again for the Cyclones because um, we have a proven coaching staff. We have a proven group of players. We have a proven system. And then can they keep the edge? Can they keep the fire? Can they keep the hunger? Um, because everybody's coming after our ass boys. Everybody's coming after us now. It's different. Now it's different. Just to go along with what you say, it's different now. They're all coming after us. But if you want to be, as we all know, in all walks of life, and especially in athletics, it's pretty damn easy to be average. It's pretty damn easy to be half-ass. It's hard to be special. It's hard to be elite. And I think the pieces are in place for us to have one of those great elite teams and maybe the best we've ever had in the history of Iowa State football this fall. Well, you know, things are certainly different now than than when you coached back at Iowa State. So that leads me into into an interesting question of, do you have any itch to, to coach again? And if so, how would you handle this type of, environment with the transfer rules that they're having now and the and, and the, the social media and things like that you know I, I read a quote somewhere that that uh, somebody said a coach said you know if you can't if you can't trust a kid on third down then you probably can't trust him on social media so in other words you know that let these kids have their social media if you can't trust them on that you can't trust them on third down but what are your feelings on that? Could you coach now? Would you want to coach now in this environment with, with those rules? Maybe the transfer rules would work out for you. you you'd have such a great culture and, and so on that, that I think the culture sometimes sells that. You know, kids go somewhere sometimes, realize it's not what they thought it was, and sees their buddy then maybe that they played with high school, find out that this this culture over here is so much better and so much healthier. Maybe that's that plays into to, to a place like Iowa State. Well, no, I'm not going to go back full time because I only knew one way to do it. And that was a hundred miles an hour. And um, so I wouldn't want to go back and go, okay, I can go. I can, I've had some chances to go be an assistant again um, and go give 80% or 85 or 90. That just wasn't me. I, I, and I don't know that I can do it the way that I did it for 45 years. Um, I'm fortunate because before the pandemic, I got to go back to many, many, many places and go talk to coaching staffs and teams and, be around them, get another set of eyes on teams. Um, you know, I mentioned TJ with basketball, but I've been back to Iowa State number of times. Matt Campbell called me the first day he took the job and just showed this incredible respect and loyalty to me and my staff. And it's never wavered ever since the first day he called me. Um, I've gone back to, to uh, Florida. I've been back to South Florida. I've been back to North Texas. Um, I went to Rutgers where Chris Ash, former Cyclone, um, now, now secondary coach with Urban at uh, Jacksonville Jaguars at Rutgers, got to go back there. Lance Lapple, the head coach of Buffalo, brought me in, got to go spend a few days with him. He was a graduate assistant on our Wisconsin Rose Bowl championship team. Um, got to go with Bielema at Arkansas. Um, he's now the head coach of University of Illinois. I've gotten to go to a lot of places. And then the thing that really I really enjoy a lot, guys, is these former players now that are in all these different walks of life, 
when I get a chance to go talk to their businesses or their companies or their top salespeople or whatever it is. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of things through athletics um, that really carry over to lots of walks of life, um, whether it's recruiting, sales, relationships, bringing out the best in people, those type of things. So I'm not sitting around watching any soap operas. I do stay busy. Um, and, and I really enjoy that a lot. But to go back at 100 percent again and do it the way I did it, I, I won't be doing that. Um, that part, the transfer rule, I, 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 I'm glad I'm not a, a part of that, to be honest with you guys. Um, the loyalty thing to me works both ways. Coaches showing it to student athletes and student athletes showing it to coaches. And um, you had to, I always felt the years that I was in all those decades, you have to have some type of, uh, there, there's got to be some kind of ramifications for you not doing what you're supposed to. You're disrespectful to a doctor. You're late for for treatments. You don't go to class. You miss tutors. Um, you're late for a workout at six o'clock in the morning. Whatever it is, there's got to be some ramifications and some penalties instead of just coddling and putting your arm around them and 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 kissing the rear end all the time. You got to learn. Um, how about this unique concept? You get what you earn and you do it our way and do it the right way and fall in line and be part of this thing and be special. I heard this so many years ago, but I always believed it. And I, I just thought it was really a cool saying and it's short and it's sweet, but it's forget yourself or others so that others will never forget you. And if you get that amongst a team where well, you really do put the team first and all that shit sounds good, but sometimes it's really hard to do and it's hard to act on. It's hard to do that each day. But if you get a team doing that, forget yourself or others so that others will never forget you boy, it can be something real special. I think it's harder to do that. I think it's harder to live that now. Um, Chris, to be honest with you, nowadays. And and then as soon as things get tough, what do you do? Bail out, you run, yeah. you pay, you transfer, you go. Here we go. What we don't hear, guys, and there's been some great stories with the transfers. Great stories. What we don't hear about are the ones that transferred and never surfaced again. You don't think there's truckloads of those? Right. Oh, hell yes, there is that never surfaced again and were not success stories after, after transferring to another school or maybe two more schools and trying to just keep bounce around, bounce around, change it, go here, go there, go there. Instead of just saying, bow your neck, toughen up, show some grit, show some loyalty, compete your butts off and go do something that somebody doesn't think you can do. You're a three because you haven't played as good as the top two guys. You're not a starter because you're not as good as number one. Go make me look silly. Make me wrong. Make your position coach look wrong. Make your coordinator look wrong with the decisions we're making. And, and that, that part of it makes it tough, I think, with the transfer rule. No, I I think you're right. And I I think Kanae uh, Namangu is a good example of that. Uh, he's getting major praise right now by a lot of scouts uh, for the amount of talent that he had. But, you know, he sat behind David Montgomery and sat behind Brees Hall. And – but, you know, there's a kid that could have transferred, could have took his ball and went home, but he didn't. He stuck it out and he played his role. And I think he's going to get rewarded in a, in a week here uh, when the draft comes around. Yeah, and just love those stories and can't tell you how much that means just to hear that. And 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 it goes right back to what I talked about earlier, guys, about the loyalty factor. And uh, there's a lot invested from coaching staffs. And I know I hear it and we all know about coaches. It's well documented about coaches that leave and there's no penalties, but there's just people don't really realize on the outside sometimes all the time and the effort and the follow through and the follow up 
and all the all the dedication and all the things that go into bringing a young man to your campus to finally say yes and getting to come in and say yes and to be part of your football family and then to turn right around when things just start getting bad or getting tough and getting hard and you say I'm out of here I'm packing my bags I'm hauling ass and there's no penalty I can go be eligible next week at another school I don't like it I don't buy it and, and that part I'm glad there's a lot of things I miss about college coaching but that wouldn't be one of them and there's a couple of really high-profile coaches that are still coaching right now that I know very, very well. And um, that that deal um, that are they're in their NFL coaches and that that deal of the transfer rule kept them from taking college jobs or taking another college job and 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 being a part of that because as soon as you get mad, you go. As soon as you get disappointed, no. I'm gonna. You're gonna get up and you're gonna run at six o'clock in the morning because you missed your doctor's appointment. And we have doctors that give their time to make sure that you're a better athlete and you can recover and you get through the injury that you have. And you don't have enough respect for him to get your ass out of bed and go there and be on time. Get out of here. So we're gonna get up. And we're gonna run you. Okay. Well, I don't want to run, so I'm gonna transfer. See. So look from a coach's standpoint from that part of it too, and that's what makes the transfer rule to me hard. That makes it tough. Well, this last 10 minutes, I'm just going to keep on a loop for my kids, coach, and just keep playing it over and over for my kids. Because yeah. I said, like, listen, see, I say these things all the time. Now you need to listen to Coach Mack. <laughs> no. No. Well, I'm, I'm sure one thing that you do miss, though, uh, Coach, being down there in Florida is uh, the Midwest um, I'm sure you really miss winter and I, and I just want to invite you if you ever, you know, need a good old fashioned Midwest winter, there's always, there's always uh, a place for you up here in, in Minnesota. Yeah. Love, believe me, I, I've been there many, many times. <laughs> love it. My wife, Margie's from Madison, Wisconsin. I grew up in Iowa city and we've, we've had a home down here in Sarasota for over 20 years. If you're work, if you're living in the Midwest, you better have a getaway somewhere now. And Sarasota's, <laughs> Sarasota's always been our getaway. Uh, we, as I mentioned earlier, we do miss the people and I always get back and I always will. And I'll always cherish my years at Iowa and Iowa State. I'll always be proud to tell people I'm from the state of Iowa. Um, if somebody wants to say something negative about the state of Iowa, I bow my neck pretty fast. Um, but I do like getting out of the winters and, and not being up there for, for uh, snow and blizzards and cold and all that. Cause um, we really enjoy it. Just getting up every day and you go, yeah, it's just, there's nothing wrong with sunny in 75. There's nothing wrong with sunny in 80. There's nothing wrong with sunny in 85. And then we do enjoy that. And we're real active and we love being outdoors, but, but um, it's cool to reconnect with guys that, there were students when I was there that makes me feel a little bit older um, knowing that you guys got children of your own now and you're real successful and you're doing great. But um, I had this incredible connection. I love the students. Uh, when we were at Iowa state, it started our first year with the TDO meter with Troy Davis and being part of college football history. And I remember going around to dormitories and fraternities and sororities and begging students to come back. And I knew there hadn't been any reasons in recent years to go to games, but I just wanted them to come back and give them help us because we, I knew we couldn't turn around the program without them. And I'll always have this great respect and great feelings about the students at Iowa State that started way back in 1995, and you two guys were part of that. Well, I will say thank, thank goodness for the Davis brothers. Yeah. Yo, amen. Amen. <laughs> 7,000 7, yards from the same household. How about right. that one? 
right? That was amazing. We could do a whole podcast just on that on, on those two. And what's yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, Coach, I'll, I'll give you one last question. It's kind of a fun little question here, um, only because it seems to be the hottest topic on Twitter between Iowa State fans is is how much one half of the uh, the fans hate the black uniforms and how one half loves it. And I know you put on the Cardinal gold, which probably felt like a little creepy when you first put that on, right? Coming from Iowa City, that was a little odd wearing Cardinal well, gold. I'd, I'd had those five years in Madison, which kind of helped cushion it a little bit, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. But, I, you know, look, listen, no matter what color or how the uniform <laughs> – no matter what they are, if you go play winning football, people aren't going to get too mad and they're not going to get too upset. Thank you. Um, you know, they're, they're just not. They're just not. You see what I got on tonight? I got my Cyclone shirt. I got a pretty good connection with the head coach at Iowa State, and he takes care of me. And uh, But I wear my Iowa State clothes proudly. I have a lot of friends at the L.A. Fitness here that didn't even know where the hell Ames, Iowa was. And they, <laughs> and they watch every damn game that's played, and they're cheering for them. So we got our own little circle. There's a restaurant here in town uh, that has a flag, an Iowa State flag that they put up, and there's about 50 to 60 Iowa State fans in Sarasota, Florida that come to all the televised games and sit there and cheer and scream and yell and tailgate. Um, pretty cool thing, but um, honestly, whatever you, whatever color you want to wear, as long as you can keep go winning and doing it with the class and the integrity and the character that Matt Campbell has done, I'm all That's for right. it. Well, I'm with you, Coach. I, my basement here is nothing but Iowa State stuff, wall to wall, everywhere around, pictures, whatever. I got a picture of you with Coach Bowden uh, up here, so uh, I'm with you. Uh, I'll listen. You can dress me in pink. And, and whatever we're winning, I'll, I'll wear pink Iowa State stuff. I don't care. Yeah. Bottom line is, um, who do you love? Who do you care for, care about? Who are you cheering for? And as long as it's the Cyclones for every Iowa State fan that's out there, honestly, it really shouldn't matter. No. Um, but it just seems like our guys, there's something you just know when they're putting on that black and black and white uniform. I don't know what the record is, but I don't think I haven't seen us lose many games in those colors. So I would expect we're probably going to wear those colors a lot this fall. And as long as we can keep winning, keep it up, baby. I'm all for it. I just as long as you're wearing the Cyclone uniforms with the pride and, and playing with the passion and the, and the great uh, effort and the great energy that we've been seeing for since Matt Campbell took the job, I'm all for it. Fantastic. <laughs> Well, Coach, say uh, we don't want to keep you, but we really do appreciate you coming on the pod and, and talking with us. You know, this is something that you know you mentioned, Chris and I, uh, as students watching the Iowa State turnaround happen in real time. Uh, it was certainly something for us. I mean, I, I grew up just outside of, of Iowa City. I was born in Iowa City. I, I grew up the only cyclone in, in the heart of Hawkeye Country. It felt like. Um, it, it was, it's something that it's, a, it's sometimes feels trivial, but it really isn't how much kind of it, it helped instill a sense of pride in me that, that it could help bring Iowa state to, to a, uh, a higher profile nationally and, and, you know, what you've meant to Iowa state football and what you continue to mean to Iowa state football, um, I, I, I can't thank you enough. So, again, thank you very much for joining us tonight and, and chatting with us. 
It's always good working with some professionals, guys. I mean that sincerely, and I've I've not always had that. I've been that lucky through all my years, and there's uh, all different levels of talent and professionalism. And uh, you guys are at the top of the list. Did a great job, and it's just cool to continue watching now. And, and you know, we put our head on the pillows at night now. Uh, when you think about Iowa State football and Matt Campbell and the job he's doing, we know this much: he will always have the discipline and the decency to do what's right. And we know it's we want to win games and we want to win championships. Who are we kidding? Of course we do. But when you know that the guy that's running and overseeing that whole football program um, is doing that and he will always do it with discipline and with the decency, boy, does that make us feel good? Does it just make you feel so good about counting the days until we get this season going again and get a chance to cheer for the Cyclones again? So. Great being with you guys. Thanks for the support and the loyalty starting way, way back. All those years that I was there means an awful lot. And then continuing it and then accentuating the positive and, and talking about the Cyclones all these years later is a pretty cool thing. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Coach. Best of luck to you. Stay healthy, guys. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, I can die now and go to heaven. <laughs> I saw your face, but he called us professionals. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was fantastic. It's amazing to me when you hear him talk about Iowa State. You know, Iowa State wasn't his his last stop. I, uh, but the amount that he used the word "we." And the amount that, that 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 man still bleeds cardinal and gold uh, is something special. I, I was really happy to hear that Matt Campbell called them up uh, as soon as he got on, on the job there. I think it's important for people to understand that that you know there was a turnaround that started all the way back with Coach Mack that that boy I I didn't think was possible growing up. So um no, I, I didn't either. And, and I, I, that was one of those times where they let him go and I did not want him to go because I didn't want to go back to what we were. Right. For sure. For he sure. was, it, it, I was in the mindset at that point of he was the best that we were ever going to get. So, you know, that old adage, well, you know, who are you going to get that's better than him? Um, and we wouldn't be where we are if they wouldn't have obviously removed him, but, um, I'm with you. I, to me, he almost epitomized loyal sons forever. True. He, he mm-hmm. said, we several times, you can tell that he loves Iowa state. He loves the fans. And that's why he's so revered by us. I mean, I, I he's, and you can hear the, the, the emotion in his voice when he talks about that place and his players and so on. Sure. Um, you know, and, and speaking of his players, you know, Brent said that, that, uh, you know, Coach Mack's memory is is something else, and you think about that. He he knows what uh, what uh, big play Curve has got going on in his personal life yeah. now. How how many different players has he coached? He coached two hundred games as a head coach. How many as an, as an assistant coach, as a coordinator, as, as uh, whatever? Hundreds and hundreds, and he can still remember specific games. He can still remember specific right. instances. Uh, obviously. Uh, the man has given a lot to the sport and he talked about, you know, coaching is, is about giving back. So, you know, it, like you said, a, a lot of, of probably good applicable life lessons to be learned there as well. Absolutely. Perfect guest. Perfect guest. Right. Exactly what we always pretend we're doing is, right. is 
dropping some knowledge bombs on people. <laughs> uh, we just need to, to save some of these and always just let Coach uh, finish us out. That's sure. right. Well, Tim, I appreciate you hopping on with us. Uh, everybody needs to, to subscribe, like, share, dig in, Tailgate Society. Plenty of good podcasts on there. So great content. Bitter units. We're not that drunk. Uh, see what else there's sports and corks. Culture check. Culture check. Matinee baseball. Just all kinds of great content out there. So you stay safe, my friend. Have a great night. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours, terrorizing street corners Just to try to get some supper in our hands Now I waited all my life to get this on my chest Green bloody murder until someone understands That it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in To that original scene